Hey guys, this is Luke Hazelmeyer from Vineyard Northwest, and I hope you've enjoyed this message on sowing and reaping. I really believe that there are times that God is actually calling us to let go of something in order to reap a greater harvest. And I hope you're able to see how he's calling you to do that in your own life after listening to this message. Good morning, everybody. I'm Luke. Welcome to our live stream from all across Cincinnati and beyond, wherever you're from. In fact, if you aren't from Cincinnati, why don't you just take a second to leave us a comment in the um, YouTube comment section from where you're from. It'd be really cool to just see in the comments all the different places that are watching. So I am going to talk about sowing and reaping this morning. To kick things off, um, I want to share a quick story. You probably heard that my wife, Jamie, and I had our first baby, a son, on August 4th, and that's been a whole adventure. Before he was born, we did a lot of things to prepare for him. One of the things was we bought furniture for the nursery, the room that he was going to be in. And so we bought a dresser, a changing table, and a crib, and some other things, a rug. And all that stuff came in the mail from Amazon. And, and so it was fun to get really big packages and bring them in our house. But then we realized, oh, wait, we got to put this stuff together. This is going to take forever. So we, um, <laughs> we left the boxes in our living room for probably at least a few weeks. If you're the kind of person that when you get like a piece of furniture in the mail and you put it together that day, props to you. That's not us. So we, yeah, we, we had this, this furniture and we put together the dresser and the changing table and then came the biggest item, putting together the crib. And we spent probably two hours putting together the crib. And um, if you, if, uh, you pr- if you've ever put a piece of furniture together with a, spouse or a close friend or something before, you know that it's kind of like a test of a relationship because um, you're about an hour in and you're not really sure what to do next. And both of you are trying to snatch the directions out of the other person's hand. And it just, it, it can be a real test, but Jamie and I, we passed that test. We kept our cool. We didn't get frustrated with each other. We got the whole thing put together probably took us two hours and it was the last piece of furniture to add to the nursery to finish it. And then we start carrying it down our hallway to the doorway into the nursery and we realize a terrible thing. It doesn't fit through the door. (laughs) Here we had gone, here we had just spent all this time putting together this crib and now we can't even get it in. So of course me being kind of like a typical male filled with testosterone, perhaps a rush of, of testosterone in that moment. I tried to like shove it through the door and force it. And all I did was scuff it up a little bit. It was white. And now there's some parts of it that aren't white anymore. Um, and didn't work, of course. We tried to angle it every single different way. And it was just so frustrating. So we eventually had to take it apart again take it into the room and finish it there. And we did. And so we finally completed it. But um, isn't that kind of a thing frustrating where you are making progress on something and then all of a sudden that progress just gets stalled. 
And I'm sure you can think of an example like us where it was like something you were just doing around the house. But I think in our lives, we experience stalled progress quite a bit. It could be stalled progress in a relationship where you felt like a relationship was growing and growing and growing and ooh, now we've plateaued, we've stalled, what's next? Or it could be in your career, maybe you were super excited for a job and you got that job and you felt like you were progressing and you're progressing and then boom, you hit stalled progress. And so I wanna talk about how do we navigate stalled progress and I believe that the biblical concept of sowing and reaping is actually instrumental in discipling us and guiding us for how to deal with stalled progress. So let's talk about sowing and reaping. Um, We're going to read out of Galatians 6, but before we get there, in case you're not familiar with the term, um, sowing and sowing, let's start with that term, is basically this. Imagine a field where you want to plant crops and ideally that field would be cultivated so that weeds have been picked and the ground had been broken up. And then you have a handful of, a handful of seeds and you walk down a row of that field and you just scatter seeds this way and that. And go down the first row, do that. Go down the second row until you've walked all of the rows of the field and you've scattered seeds. What have you done? You have sown seeds into that field. And then of course, reaping is when however many months later, those seeds germinate, turn to plants, come to maturity and bear fruit. And so when um, you hear the term, you reap what you sow, literally what you can think of is um, where the metaphor comes from as a farmer sowing seeds into cultivated land, those seeds growing and then reaping the harvest. And so with that in mind, let's read Galatians 6, where it's probably the most famous passage it talks about sowing and reaping. This is what Paul says. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Stop there for a second. When Paul says, don't be deceived, this is what I think he's talking about. It is really easy to fall into a trap where I think I'm sowing toward one harvest, but I'm actually sowing toward another. Where I think that the actions that I am doing right now are gonna lead me to one place, but in reality, I'm not thinking right about the actions and they will lead me to another. And so when Paul says, don't be deceived, what I think he's saying is don't think that you're sowing towards one thing when you're really not. Make sure you know what you're actually sowing towards. So... Let's get back into it. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, this he will also reap, man or woman, of course. For the one who sows to his own flesh from the flesh will reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. So yeah, this is sowing and reaping. Um, I just explained to you the metaphor and Um, You've probably heard this taught before um, if you've been in church for maybe a year or longer. If not, this might be your first time. Either way, I think that there is a problem that that sometimes, a problem in our thinking that sometimes develops when we don't understand sowing and reaping in a comprehensive way. Let me explain that. There's one way to look at sowing and reaping, which is essentially this. 
you will experience the consequences of your actions. So make sure you do the right things right now. That's kind of an obvious idea of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. If you do dumb stuff now, you're going to reap stuff you don't want in your future. If you do smart things now, you're going to reap blessings in your future. That's all true. But when we only understand sowing and reaping in that narrow perspective, I think what happens is this concept in scripture can actually lead us into a works mindset or a works mentality. What do I mean by a works mentality? I mean, striving and trying to do things and trying to earn God's blessings and earn God's loves, God's love when um, the better thing to do is just to receive it as a son or a daughter of God. And here's how I think it can lead us to that works mindset. If I'm looking at my harvest and I am not totally content or happy with my harvest, what is the next logical thought? Well, I want to get a better harvest. And so if I want to get a better harvest, you reap what you sow. If you do the right things, you'll get the right harvest. So I just got to make sure I do more things. I got to do more right things. If it's my relationship with God, it might be, you know what? I've only been reading my Bible for 30 minutes a day. I need to start reading my Bible for an hour a day if I want to get a better harvest in my relationship with God. Or if I've only been praying for five minutes a day, I got to make sure I'm praying for an hour a day. And you can kind of see how that narrow perspective of sowing and reaping can easily lead to a works mentality. But I think there's another aspect of sowing and reaping that I want to focus on that is critical for having the full idea of what this biblical concept is all about and for moving through stalled progress in our life. And um, the element of sowing that I think often gets ignored is this, that when I am sowing seed, I'm actually letting go of something that could be used for another purpose. So imagine corn. You know how you plant corn? With corn. So if I have a storehouse full of corn, I will eat a good portion of it. But then if I want to plant next year's harvest or next season's harvest, I got to save a portion of the corn and then sow it. And I'm, I'm not only am I letting go of that corn that I could have eaten, but listen to how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 15. Um, Paul here is talking, he's actually using this metaphor to describe the physical body and the glorified body that we get after in the afterlife. But um, I think the principle of sowing and reaping that I'm going to pull out still applies. So Paul says, you fool. Another quick pause. You don't want to be like theologically wrong around Paul. He is savage. He'll tear you apart. Um, anyways, so you fool. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of weed or of something else. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. The new harvest, the new life that you want, the new blessings that you want, probably aren't going to come unless something dies first. And so this is the part of sowing that I think is really important to understand that sowing, we're actually letting go of something in order to get 
a new harvest. It's not just about doing more good things. Sometimes it's about letting go of the things that might be good, but that God is calling us to let go of so that we can get something better. So my first point then is this, kingdom harvests are often reaped by first letting die a portion of what you still have from the last harvest. I worded that a little strangely, but what I'm trying to say is that if you want the next harvest, sometimes you have to take what you have from the last harvest and let it die. And that'll take you into the next harvest. And this means that sometimes the thing that you love, the thing that you cherish, the thing that God blessed you with, and you know he blessed you with, he's actually calling you to let that thing go, to let that thing die in order to get the next thing that he wants to give you. This reminds me of kind of just like growing up through adulthood. I can remember the kind of, I can, when I think about my adult life so far, I kind of think of it in three stages. I think of it as me after, me like single, single Luke after high school and then married Luke. And now I feel like I'm in, heading into a new stage. Um, Luke married and with kids. And so when I think about these stages of life, I look back on single Luke. So that would have been 18 until 25. And that Luke hung out with his friends basically every single day. Like I can remember being in college and in a little after college and Wilson and I just had all of these friends throughout the city because of the hardcore metal music scene we were in. And literally, I, I kid you not, we would hang out every day. We'd hang out probably starting around eight or 9 p.m. and we'd often hang out until three, four, five in the morning. And we'd, um, you know, we'd just, we were always around friends. And then moving um, into ministry, when I started working here and doing young adult ministry, I was just always around the people in the young adult ministry. My, they were this, my friends were the people in the young adult ministry. And so that was a really awesome thing. And when I think back to that time of life, I think back of it fondly. Like that was so cool getting to hang out with people, with my friends all the time. And it didn't occur to me until actually relatively recently that, um, well, before I tell you that, I remember being in that life stage where I had all my friends, we hung out all the time. And I also remember seeing people get married before me and then they weren't around their friends quite as much as they used to be. And I remember having the thought, this is specifically when I was probably, in, when I was in college, I remember having the thought, you know what? Someday when I get married, me and my wife are gonna be so cool and defy what we see everyone else doing, that we're gonna keep hanging out with our friends just as much as we did when we were single. And I kind of had that in my mind. And then as I got older, it, I didn't hold it so strongly, but it was kind of still there. And then all of a sudden, um, it just occurred to me, let me get back to where I was going before. It just occurred to me thinking about all of this, that you know what, I actually had to let that freedom, that time with friends that I had, that freedom to, of schedule, I actually had to let that die in order to move into the next harvest, 
which was relationship with Jamie, my wife. And the thing that I realized was, oh, wow, as much as I loved that time of being with my friends all the time, as, as enriching to my life as that was, I'm, like, I would gladly let that die a thousand times for the intimacy that I have with my wife now. And so I realized that actually going from one stage to another, there are good things you have to let go of and let die. And I think this principle applies in many different aspects of our lives, not just our relationships, but in our career and our relationship with uh, God, that um, sometimes in order to get to the next kind of like stage of progress, we have to let a good thing go that we had in the current stage. But as painful as that's been, every time what I've realized, what I've learned is that when we sow a good thing for a greater harvest, when we finally do get to experience that greater harvest, it is so totally worth it. And um, this has just continued moving from being married with no kids to being married with a two-month-old. I think back to when Jamie and I were just married with just the two of us, and, and it was awesome, the freedom of schedule we had. You know, it wasn't quite as free as when I was single with the only commitments I had being work and school, but it was awesome, the freedom we had. We'd get home from work. We'd have our whole evening, could do whatever we wanted usually. We could, if friends invited us over spontaneously, we could often do it. And that was good freedom we had. But again, I don't miss that freedom at all because of the harvest that I'm experiencing. And I know I'm going to experience right now in the next stage. And so... Um, if you're feeling stuck right now, if you're feeling like one of your relationships or your career or ministry or church life, whatever it is, if you kind of feel like you've been plateauing or you feel like your progress has been stalled, I want to encourage you to think about what might be God calling you to sow right now for the greater harvest. And it's probably going to be something that was good, was a good thing, um, but when you let go of that good thing for a better thing, you get the better harvest and you won't regret, you won't regret letting it go at all. And so, so yeah, you know, this sowing and reaping thing, it's so important for moving past points of where we're getting stalled. I really, I really believe that if I'm feeling like I'm plateauing, the first question that I want to ask myself is what might I need to let go? what might have gotten comfortable with. And so that's all great. And I encourage you whenever you feel stalled to, to ask God that question. But we, that's just the first step when it comes to applying sowing and reaping. We don't just wanna have the mindset that is whenever I'm living my life and I realize something's getting stalled, it's time to ask God what I should sow so I can get back to really enjoying my life. That's not quite the right heart posture that we want. We want to actually have a heart posture that is always letting go of what God is calling us to let go of in order to reap what he wants us to reap. And so I think that's actually part of what Paul was talking about in a different letter, Philippians chapter one. Let's read that real quick. Philippians 1, 21 and 22 says this, for to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. Stop there real quick. 
Notice that Paul didn't say living is figuring out who you are, learning your personality type, your strengths and your weaknesses, learning what really makes you excited and passionate in life, and then going after your, those things to experience fulfillment. But he says, living is Christ. And all, I mean, if you know me, you know that I love the Myers-Briggs. God's spoken to me, give me tons of revelation through it. It's a great tool. Enneagram's a great tool, all that. But I think sometimes we got to just remember that that's all second. First and foremost, living is Christ. And God might tell you, hey, you know how you're an Enneagram six and this is your tendency? Well, I'm calling you to not do that and grow out of that. And we have to be willing to say, well, okay, I might be an Enneagram six, but I'm uh, more than that. I'm a son of God or a daughter of God. And so I can grow out of that. So living is Christ and dying is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor. That's sowing and reaping language right there. Fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which I prefer. So what's Paul saying here? The way I have normally read this passage is that Paul is saying, look, I'd rather be with Jesus and not be here at all. I'd rather be dead. But if I am going to be here, it's going to be real good for all y'all because I'm going ha- to teach you and disciple you and, and have fruitful labor on the earth. And that's true. But here's something that I haven't noticed until I was thinking about this in terms of sowing and reaping. Why is it that Paul has fruitful labor? Why is it that Paul had fruitful labor on the earth It was because he had the mentality of living as Christ and dying as gain. The reason Paul had fruitful labor was because he was willing to let go of any earthly thing at any point in time. And that's the next thing about sowing and reaping that I want to, the next point I want to make is that the most fruitful harvests have sowers who are willing to sacrifice anything at any given time. The, you think you, when we look into the world and we see those, um, those big Christian movements or moves of God or revivals that we really admire, I guarantee you the people leading those, it's costed them everything to do what they're doing. I guarantee you that a lot of them, they're the kind of people that are willing to let go of whatever anything that they need to let go of in order to get the harvest that God wants them to get. And so this is the mentality that we need to develop. Um, Next point, the time of sowing is actually necessary to properly value the coming harvest. It's hard. Sowing is hard. Sacrificing is hard. Letting go of things is hard. But when we do, when we say, God, I really love this passion, this dream, whatever, I'm, but I'm letting it go um, because I know you're calling me to and I believe that a greater harvest will come from that. Then in that time of sowing, blood, sweat, and tears, we actually develop an appreciation and a value for the harvest that's coming. And so when the harvest does come, we're not gonna squander it. Um, So how do I be a good sower and what should I actually sow in my life? What might God be calling me to sow? Well, three quick things. Good sowers, one, work without the need for recognition. 
They don't do things to please people. They do things to please God. They don't do things to impress people. They do things to impress God. You see, a lot of times we have the choice. We can either impress people or impress God. But if we're focused on impressing people with what we do, I guarantee you God's not too impressed looking down on us. But if we choose to impress God rather than impress people, and we make that our first goal, then we will impress God. And eventually we're probably going to impress people, whether it's in this life or the next. I believe getting, I was talking earlier about like Christians, celebrities, and superstars. You know, we could probably think of our top 50 and list them out. I believe that that top 50 that we might, the top 50 Christian leaders that we might name off right now, when we get up to heaven someday, I bet you that top 50 is going to look very different. Because I guarantee you, there are people all across the world who are giving everything for the kingdom and for Jesus that are never seen for it. They don't ever get an Instagram following or um, fame and fortune, but they are known and recognized in heaven. They're famous in heaven. And I'll tell you what, um, I'd much rather be famous in heaven than famous on earth. So good sowers, they, they work without the need for recognition. They know their season, secondly. They know that, they, they know when they're in a sowing season or a reaping season. And then third, they don't try to replicate last year's harvest, but they focus on the harvest that God is cultivating right now. So they're not focused on what happened before and trying to recreate that. They're focused on what God is, the harvest God is wanting right now. You know, this, this always tripped me up before because when I think back to when I first started following Jesus and experienced like a spiritual awakening and an influx of life and passion in my relationship with God, um, I also was 19 years old and I basically got to the point where I was like reading my Bible for a couple hours every morning. And fast forward now, 11 years to... 30-year-old Luke, and there are times where I feel a little dry spiritually, and I'm like, man, I could really use like another mini spiritual awakening, an influx of passion in life. And what I'm tempted to do is to think, oh, well, when I was 19, I read the Bible for two hours a morning, so I guess that's what I need to do in order to get that right now. But when I do that, I'm not looking at the harvest that God has for 30-year-old Luke. I'm looking at the harvest God had for 19-year-old Luke. And what God might be calling me to do right now is probably, I guarantee you, it's going to be a lot different because God, he looks at our hearts. He looks at our life circumstances and he calls us to do things in the context of that. And he knows that right now, 30 year old Luke, I mean, I, if my life depended on it, I probably could get up and read my Bible for a couple hours every morning, but a lot of things might suffer too. My marriage might suffer. My personal health might suffer. My relationship with my son might suffer. And so God knows, he knows, um, he knows the harvest we need right now. Don't be so focused on last year's harvest or five years ago's harvest. Look towards the future harvest. So to end, here are five things that God might be calling you to sow. First is longings. <clears throat> and what I mean by longings are two things. One, past seasons you long to see reoccur in your life. And two, 
that which you long for in your future. And longings are not necessarily bad. They can be good. It can be good to long for things. I hope you long for more of Jesus and long for more of the kingdom. And you know what? If you're single and you long to be married, that's really good. That's, a, that's something I believe God longs for you also. And if you earn a job that you hate and you long for a better job, I, bet, I think God is longing with you too. But when the intensity of our longing starts to eclipse our thankfulness for what we have in the present, that's when we start getting steered off course. And so I want to encourage you that if you're longing for something, in, for especially a future thing, I believe God is right there with you longing. And now you might ask, well, if he's God, he's, you know, in control of everything. Why can't he just make it happen? Why can't he just give me the thing that I want? And I do not have time to go into that message, but I'll just tell you that God could have created a world where he controlled everything, but instead he, he created a world where he would co-reign and co-create with us. And the necessary byproducts of that are there are some things that are not in God's control. And he, so he can long for you to experience something, but not necessarily be able to just snap his fingers and make it happen without changing kind of like the whole um, nature of the world that he created. So that did not do it justice. That's another message. I'll give it someday. Um, so yeah, longings. Also, longings for the past. That can really trip us up. I've been in scenarios, I've been in situations where I have just longed to see what I saw in 2015 happen in 2018, or I longed to see what happened in 2018 to happen in 2020. And it's okay to think fondly about harvests that God allowed us to reap in the past, but don't let it distract you from the harvest he's preparing for you right now. If you're feeling discontent, you're probably just in a sowing season. And I guarantee you the harvest that you're sowing towards that's coming is going to be incredible if you just don't quit. In fact, Galatians 6 verse 9, Paul says this exact thing. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. A second thing God might be calling you to sow are your expectations. Your expectations of people around you, your expectations of yourself, your expectations of your job or, or of your church. Did you know that God doesn't expect you to behave perfectly? He doesn't expect you to have perfect beliefs. In fact, he probably expects there to be some points of disagreement between you and him. Yet he still wants relationship with you and he still wants to partner with you and use you. And I think sometimes our expectations of people or our, our uh, job or our church or our ministry, whatever, our expectations being too high is the thing that's actually holding us back from greater fulfillment and enjoyment. And God might be calling you to sow those high expectations. Third, God might be calling you to sow goals or dreams. Again, God dreams with you. He has dreams for you. He has goals for you. It's not bad to dream, but John 15, five, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them, they bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What does that mean? That um, we only have a dream because it's his dream for our life. We're the, he's the vine, we're the branches. 
And so if I have a dream for my life that is not his dream, if I have a dream for this certain ministry thing that I'm working on or um, this relationship, but it's not his dream, then I need to let it go. I need to sow it and get his dreams. I want his dreams for my life, not my dreams for my life. Fourth, he might be calling you to sow passions, something you're really passionate about, but is kind of steering you maybe away from the harvest God wants to bring into your life. You know, I'm just going to tell you right now, um, no one's in the room, so I can be as raw as I want. Some of you need to sow your political passion. Some of you have valid opinions and it's, you're totally fine. And it's good to be passionate about politics. I'm not saying that that's bad, but for some of you, that passion for politics is steering you away from the harvest that God wants to release, wants you to reap in your life. And I'm afraid that for some of us, we think that our political passion is leading us in toward, toward one harvest that is good, but it's actually leading us towards another, which isn't so good. And like I said before, don't, you know, in the beginning, God said, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. We need to know if our passion for something is leading us in the way we don't think it is. And so I'm not saying if you're passionate about politics, give it up. But I am saying, why don't you, have, if you're passionate about politics and you're noticing that it's causing a lot of friction between you and people around you, why don't you take that to the Lord and examine it and see if he might be calling you to sow that until November 4th. Fourth, God might be calling you to sow convictions or beliefs that we have. Again, these are not bad. All this whole time, what I've been saying is what we're sowing is often something good for something better or something that's kind of like a mixture of good and bad for something that's uh, purely good. And uh, some of our beliefs and our convictions come from God. Some of the beliefs that we have about uh, about God and spirituality and our relationship with God. They come from God, but some of them come from our baggage. And you know what? Some of them come from the baggage of the Christian teachers and leaders we've been listening to. I, yeah, should I go, should I open this can of worms? So like there are people, everyone that you, that you listen up to a podcast, everyone that you listen to, every teacher, every great Christian leader, they're human. They have imperfections. They don't have everything right. And so sometimes as human beings, we teach out of our pain or our baggage or our negative experiences. And sometimes when, you know, um, Sometimes when that happens um, and other people begin to like listen to that, really what, what, all I'm trying to say is examine the beliefs that you have. Examine the convictions you have. I don't care if the most famous Christian pastor in the world taught them. If you're starting to feel some negative fruit or it doesn't, something doesn't quite feel right about it, then it might be a conviction or a belief that God is calling you to sow. So um, I hope that from this, you will have maybe one of those reevaluations with God where you're like, Lord, I feel like I'm experiencing stalled progress in this area or in this area. And is there something that you're calling me to let go of? Is there something you're calling me to sow to step into the harvest that you want for me right now? So let's pray. Father, 
I ask in Jesus' name that you would speak to your people wherever they are all throughout the city. I ask that you would give us insight and revelation into what you're calling us to let go of. God, whatever we're holding on to tightly, I ask that you would let us loosen our hands. Would we have a thankfulness for what you're doing in our life right now that always eclipses the intensity of anything else that we might feel? Thank you for what you're doing. We love you in Jesus' name, amen.